What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of the It Doesn't Matter What Your Podcast Is Called podcast. BJ Cruz here with my tag team partner, the man responsible for producing the Tyson Fury Braun Strowman match at Crown Jewel, the incomparable Jeremy Loss. Jay, what's up, dude? I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> I am uh, uh, I'm under the weather, so you might hear me cough and clear my throat a lot. Um, but. By golly, that match was terrible, and I, I, I hate you for saying that. But <laughs> Hey, man, you know, I like to keep you on your toes. I, I want you to wonder if I'm going to put you over this week or if I'm going to bury you. You're um, on this like, hot alter- streak of just burying me at the start of the show, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, I just, again, I'm keeping you on your toes, man. I, I, read, I read something on Twitter where it's like, if you keep agreeing with your podcast host or your guest, you're a jackass. So that, I think I really took that to heart. I'm really trying to uh, pull a 180 on you. And just, you know, again, keep you on your toes. What is that? Like, I don't understand that I don't at know. all. It, it didn't really make any sense. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling spicy, as always, please leave a review. Yeah, and if you're feeling extra spicy, follow us on, <clears throat> on Twitter at Doesn't Matter Pod. That's pod with a zero. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Doesn't Matter Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy A. Loss, and you can follow Ben for his terrible takes and his horrible Warriors following at, at Cruise Control. That's Control with a K. Sorry, I had to hey, shit on the Warriors there. Hey, hey, it's it's too soon. Okay, I didn't I didn't, Actually, I didn't shit on you when the Lakers have been terrible. The oh past come on, yes, ten you have. years. I, I, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I'm gonna pretend that it's not. Um, but <laughs> also, I, shout out to everybody who left the five star reviews on Apple Podcasts for us because I will be double chugging white claw it's official this weekend we, we have we have surpassed it and it oh i am beyond excited it's it's gonna be a train wreck but it's going to be a beautiful train wreck um so uh it, follow along with more details to come all that being said we we're recording this a little later uh than usual it's actually daylight out um it's we're recording it on thursday right after crown jewel so that takes us to our main event and for this week's main event, like I said, Crown Jewel just ended. So we're going to talk about the latest and greatest from WWE's most recent pay-per-view. Um, and, you know, it was, uh, well, I don't want to start off on a negative tone. I already, I already uh, blamed you for the fury Strowman match. So let's start with what we liked. And I think we can all agree what we, uh, what we liked the best from this show was The Fiend is your new Universal Champion. It finally happened. Well, though, like everything for that match was terrible. Oh, like it was really. We'll we'll get we'll we'll get into into that. But yeah, but like the outcome, I was shocked that they actually did it because they were building toward Seth kicking him off the stage. They do the whole pyro with the fake uh, electricity coming out and everything, and made it look like all right, Seth's gonna win. He's gonna bury the the fiend under all this electrical equipment. And then lo and behold, you see the Fiend rise up. He hits him with the Mandible Claw and the Sister Abigail, and we have a champion. I, it blew my mind. That was a, the best way they could have ended this show uh, because for everything that this was, it was a giant piece of garbage this show was. Uh, but this was the proper ending, in my opinion. 
it was strange because it was heading down that path of like a glorified house show, right? And that's usually yes. what these shows over there in Saudi Arabia have been, glorified house shows where main titles don't really change um, or, you know, big things don't really happen. Um, they're, they're getting their check. They're performing. They're putting aside their consciousness and any social, uh, you know, morality that they feel. And they put that to the side and then they head home, right? But, you know, and that's where it was heading up until this match where – I, again, the red light was out there. Seth can was we talk, doing. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Can we talk about that? Like, why is that it's, still a thing? It's it's very. I, my again, my theory is just that whoever bo- is booking Seth versus Fiend is a huge fan of Seinfeld, and that Kenny Rogers Roasters episode just like <laughs> is stuck in their mind, and like they wanted to uh, live out some some weird childhood fantasy. But yeah, it. it it, I'll, I'll say this though it was nowhere near as bad as hell in a cell because there was no red cage around them right it, like the red it, cage like amplified how horrible the light was like this was still bad but it, at least we could still see them barely i mean i was struggling watching this like it was a really really like pain it was painful for my eyes to actually try to like make out what was happening it just it, it's not good from an aesthetic point of view like it just doesn't like sit well with me and i can't right. imagine what it's like being there live like it, it just, I hate that they have to put that kind of gimmick on it. Like, his first match, The Fiend's first match was a normal lighting, and it kicked ass. Like, he doesn't need to be under good, this, like, yeah. gimmick lighting or, like, have weird-ass images projected on the on the ring like they did with Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Like, <laughs> and Orton, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just let him wrestle in normal light. Who fucking cares? Like, it's so annoying to me. Yeah, it was, it was very strange. But that being said, aside from that and the... I mean, again, like you said, we, it seemed like they were going down the path of Seth somehow retaining. Um, you know, he started doing that whole bit, you know, seven, eight stomps or whatever it was. Um, one on, you know, the um, they had taken he'd taken off the protective matting or Fiend did. And then Seth used that to uh, to stomp Fiend's face into the, the cement. So uh, it, it was definitely very surprising that they made it happen. That being said, at the end, when Fiend uh, mandible claws him and then Sister Abigail's him, like the mandible claw shot when he pops out of the wreckage um, and Seth is, has his back turned because I guess like the sparks flew into his eye or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great shot. The, whoever, yeah. you know, this, the cameraman for that shot was give that man a raise uh, because he had the perfect shot into like, oh, shit, they're actually going to give him the title. And that's, yeah. that's kind of that moment where you knew. Yeah, the framing for that moment where you're actually they actually have it so you're looking up and you see the fiend pop up. I thought that was great. I will say that like they were basically telling the exact same story that they've been telling for two months through this match. Like Seth hits him with everything and the fiend just continues to, to kick up. Like there was no new story, new no new aspect to this except for the finish. Like that's what kind of annoyed me throughout the match is because like when they're on the top of the ramp and he's hitting him with stomp after stomp after stomp, I'm like, we've seen this before. We've seen this for two months now. Like, right. give us something different. Well, I mean, um, that that just goes back to them. They, like, messed this up at Hell in a Cell, right? They should have had this just end. Um, Fiend be the title winner there because, like, that whole spot, that whole sequence was still relatively new, right? Like, the people hated it in that moment because of how long the match had already gone. It was going into in a weird direction. But... You know, I, I agree that you know in today it was it was basically a, that match part two, but there wasn't anything really new. They, mm. they just they were just kind of making up for what they realized they messed up on at Hell in a Cell. So, and I think they also realized that crowd, that live crowd, probably hadn't seen Hell in a Cell. You know, you you know how they kind of do like warm up versions of these big matches at house shows, mm. um, and like. 
you know, a lot of people had seen Seth versus Fiend leading up to Hell in a Cell, right? Um, they had actual matches uh, up until that point. So they almost, tr- I think they were treating the crowd there like they hadn't seen this before. Um, and then obviously a different ending came about. So, you know, that being said, I, at, at, the, at least they, kind, they fixed what went wrong at Hell in a Cell. They put, they put the title on the right guy in the right moment. Not in the right moment, but like they oh, well, put the title, they put the sure. title on the right. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean they fixed it. I mean <clears throat> another, and we can move on from this because I, I mean we've we've talked about how much we like the fiend ad nauseum. Like I think this is the time for him to kind of run with the belt for a little bit, and I, I really hope they reboot Seth and Link. Maybe have Seth turn dark. Like maybe this is like his mental breakdown. He turned into a darker, like heelish character. I think that would just spice up his. They his, definitely tease that a little bit. Uh, you know, with Seth not being like, like they've they've kept him as kind of a white meat baby face, but there have been hints that he's he's about to turn. Um, we'll get into his appearance on the Corey Graves podcast a little bit later, but he he's there have been there have been teases. I think yeah. like very very subtle ones, but I think you're right in that some sort of character change is coming for Seth. Yeah, and he needs it. And then so <clears throat> another big aspect of the show was the first women's match. Uh, to take place inside of Saudi Ara- in Saudi Arabia, um, the match was—I mean, the match is forgettable. I mean, it's Natalia versus Lacey Evans. It's not—they're not two like incredible workers. Um, it was instantly forgettable, but like the moment itself was commendable. I mean, you have women actually wrestling in in this space that they've never done before. So I thought that was an interesting thing, uh, a positive thing for the brand. Uh, and a positive thing for just women wrestling, women's wrestling in general, like to be able to put themselves on this stage. Um, they all had, I mean, both of them had different ring gear, um, and the match itself was just, like I said, it was it was so so, but yeah, big moment. It, it was about the mo- it was about the end moment, right, where both of them are standing there just in tears that they broke through that that ceiling, right, mm-hmm. that glass ceiling that was there. Um, and I remember the first time that WWE had, you know, secured this uh, Saudi Arabia deal and Triple H was talking about, you know, maybe eventually. And in that moment when he said it, you're like, oh, you're just trying to appease, you know, the people who are cutting those checks. Um, and you're, you're trying to play in the middle where everyone back home knows that this is bullshit, knows it's bullshit that some of the most talented people on the roster, period, who are who happen to be women aren't allowed on this show. Yeah. Um, and. Again, the match was what it was. It, w- it wasn't a barn burner. It wasn't, you know, it's like it wasn't a five star match or anything. But the fact that it was even allowed to happen, and you could just tell too, like there there would be moments where they cut to women in the crowd, and you know, to kind of see some sort of representation for them um, on on this global product. You know, that that was huge, and um, I thought it was really cool. Kind of at the end. Where you know Lacey and 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 Natty are just losing it, right? Like they just realize what they've accomplished, and, and kudos to them because it's also you know Natty who's who's more of a veteran in in the locker room now. You know she, for her to be one of the first two people to to help break through this mold, and then for Lacey who's likely the future of the company, um, you know one of the future stars. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a great moment for them, especially because they don't. I mean. Neither of them are really in the championship picture anymore, but they both definitely deserve that moment because they, they worked really, really hard. Um, and so, you know, kudos to them. Kudos to WWE for continuously pushing that envelope, you know, for all the shit that we give WWE uh, for some of the in-ring product that they've given us over the past couple months. Like, that that was cool, and that was just um, a, a nice moment to be a part of. Yeah, and, and, and you even heard it with, with Corey Graves afterward. He was 
he was choked up. Yeah, definitely sounded like he was choked up. He said he had a lump in his throat, and you could you could just feel the emotion that he was like giving off there. So like like we said, like it was a huge moment. Uh, we do commend the WWE for actually pushing to get that done. Moving on <clears throat> to the last thing that we really liked for this card, uh, Humberto Carrillo versus AJ wasn't that bad at all. Like. Humberto has been getting some shine lately, and he put on a pretty solid match with AJ. Obviously, it's not really that hard to put on a solid match with AJ, but for something that I had very little expectations for, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Yeah, I think Heyman's clearly a fan of Humberto, um, and he's been getting a, a lot, a lot. Of, he's In the past couple weeks, what, he's faced AJ twice and Seth Rollins mm-hmm. <laughs> since he got drafted over? Like, that's huge. So that's clearly someone that they want to put the rub on and clearly something they want to, you know, help shine. Kind of like how they, they helped Cedric Alexander get up there and Ricochet. Um, but, no, he's he's fantastic. It, I was a little bummed, though, that the crowd was pretty dead for that match, and I think that just comes down to they don't really know who Humberto is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not their fault, right? They, they probably don't have access to the same access to the amount of WWE programming that we, I guess you can say, have access to. Sometimes I think we're subjected to it. But um, so that was the only bummer. But he put on, a, like, again, he had to win the Battle Royal uh, and during the pre-show to get there. Uh, and then he, he showed out again uh, against AJ. So the sky's the limit for that guy. He's, he's, he's a young dude. Uh, definitely the future, um, you know, especially with Raw being now the quote-unquote B-show, like, that's a perfect space it's for him C-show, to develop that is even more. That C-show. Yeah. So it, it, it was a good spot, um, and it was unfortunately the last thing that, you know, both of us liked. We put together a, a like-didn't-like that didn't like list quite long. Quite, yeah. quite long. But, like, let's also let's also talk about, like, where does AJ Styles go from here? Is he just going to continue to to reign over the U.S. title picture? Like, I feel like he's so much far above the U.S. title that, like, I don't understand why we continue to have him hold on to it. Like, I don't. It doesn't feel add like, anything to him. I feel like it's a. So he just signed a new deal pretty recently, right? If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and I think it's. One, I think he knows he can. If once he wants to get back in that main title picture, he's just got to ask. I think he's very much. I don't know if his his road schedule is as vigorous as it was in the previous iteration of his contract and mm. when he was world champ, right? So I think this has to do with a scheduling thing. I think this has to do with him realizing he's getting a little bit older so that, you know, the travel, the recovery is probably a little bit, little bit more daunting than it has been in the past. So I, I think it's purely just from, like, a physical um, breaking kayfabe type thing where he's just like, yo, I got to chill out. You know, you, like, give me the U.S. title. I'll raise its profile because – God knows it needs it, right? Before AJ was U.S. champ, that shit was floundering, like the tag, raw tag division, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think it, it was a, it's a good idea to keep it on him and to keep building it. And he's, again, he's helping make these younger dudes into stars. Like, you know, Cedric Alexander blew up because, you know, of his feud with AJ. Uh, same thing with Humberto, uh, Ricochet. They, see, he's getting, he's getting these younger guys the rub, but you know, obviously they've lost to him. But it's still like the rub... You, you get the rub being in the ring with AJ, which I think is right. huge. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the longer list of things that we didn't like from this show. I think we can easily start off with, overall, this show was just, like, was poor. It was I mean, really this bad. Was, it, it was, was really not bad. a great show. Um, <clears throat> it, it just it didn't have the pacing. Everything just seemed kind of, like, clumsy. It, it just wasn't well put on, in my opinion. Also, I find it interesting now that they're going they're going back to calling these pay-per-views. Did you notice that? 
they weren't calling these kind of shows pay-per-views, but now they're back to calling the pay-per-views. I think that has something to do with AEW. Uh, I mean, yeah, it might be. Um, I, didn't, I didn't catch that, but that's a good point. That's, that's yeah, really I find, interesting. I find it super interesting. Um, I think it's just, it, it also helps them kind of differentiate the, the, the specials that they have on the network now. Because obviously they do like, uh, what was the one that they did in Nashville that was a really dumb name? Oh, uh, it was like the house show that they just made. Yeah. Uh, but, a, a network special. So I, 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 think I, I can't remember the name. Yeah. I think it helps them kind of differentiate what's a special and what's a pay-per-view so that they can kind of help. They can get more eyeballs on there. But <clears throat> they kicked off the show, at least the main card with the Brock Kane match and by god this was bad like this was really bad like they did like they had like a a mini MMA match like they were like throwing punches and kicks but obviously there were worked punches and kicks and then the finish was like a, a really wonky kimura like it just was not clean everything about it just seemed slow and and methodical and nothing was like really explosive even for a Brock match like there's always moments in Brock matches where he gets like he does the the suplex city and it's like this explosive force and nothing about this match was explosive from the get-go the minute kane came out kane Velasquez, i should say without his mask on i was like oh this is gonna be a piece of shit <laughs> yes <laughs> you know needs, like he needs the lucha mask like give him the lucha that. mask have him do some some flippy shit like that yeah. that that um clip of him i believe it's in triple a right where he's like he's doing a little bit of flippy shit you're mm-hmm. like oh okay like I see you, Kane. That, that's that's what's up. But like, for them to just give him like to present him as is, almost like they kind of mailed that in. I mean, they kind of mailed in this whole feud because they were just gearing towards Crown Jewel, and you kind of knew how it was going to end, right? Like they weren't Kane wasn't going to get the title at the mm-hmm. end of this, right? Like that would have been insane for him to one jump the line that quickly for a title shot, and then to win it over Brock, th- that just wasn't going to happen. But for it to be uh, so. They made such a big deal with Kane coming in, right? Like, he, he comes in at the end of the Fox premiere on SmackDown. He's, you know, one of these crossover athletes. And you just squash him like that? Like, he gets no... He, he got a little bit of offense in. But why, why, are, why are we to take him seriously at this point? Yeah. Right? It, it, it's, it's wild to me. Like, obviously, the same thing happened to Kofi, right? He, you know, he has this amazing run as world champ, and they squash him. I still take... Like, Kofi had some built-in equity where you're like, okay, he got squashed there. I'm sure he's going to get an, another title match later. What, what am, why am I supposed to care about Kane Velasquez at this point? I, yeah, I mean... I think that's the most damaging thing that they could have done to him. Um, he didn't even get a pin attempt. Nothing. It's two minutes. He had to be yeah, saved and, by and Rey Mysterio. Yeah, he had to be saved by Rey Mysterio. I, I think they're obviously building toward Brock versus Rey at probably Survivor Series. Oh, God. Um, right. But yeah, they made Kane look... Like, shit, to be honest with you. Like, he has so much more tools in the bag, and they made him a kickboxer, uh, which he wasn't really a kickboxer in the UFC either. He was a wrestler who just learned how to throw hands. But, like, I thought everything about the the booking of that match was off. Um, I, I, I didn't appreciate any of it. And then this kind of segues into another your Big favorite match of the, of the night, show. your favorite match the, of the day, I should say. <laughs> this Tyson Fury match was just a mess. It was awful, like just awful. I mean, the outside of the the entrance, the entrances, like Tyson Fury had the the grandest entrance out of everybody. That might be the, the best entrance that I've ever seen. It was so <laughs> it, it was cool. really it was good. awesome. <laughs> yeah, but like once he got into the ring, it was just it was a mess. I, I didn't expect him to actually wrestle. I thought they were going to try to make it more like. 
a boxing match, like make him actually stand and throw hands and not really do anything that was like wrestling oriented. And he's out here taking bumps. He's trying to do, um, he's trying to do slams. He's trying to do the Roman Reigns kick on top of the apron. He's doing things that are just way out of his league, and it shows. Like he did a drop toe hold that looked like shit. Like everything about it was awful. It was slow. It was messy. It was clumsy. He did the the Undertaker sit up. I never laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> Braun's reaction to that is so funny. It's it's he like tried to do the whoa type reaction, but it almost looked like the what the fuck are you doing <laughs> type yeah. reaction instead. It was that was I mean. It, Look, this is what you get when you're, you you know, they for one, they gave him the bag, right? Like, they, oh, they gave, gave him a lot of money yeah. to show up. And they they had two spectacle matches, right? And both of them were a disaster. And, and it, like, why are we surprised by this? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no real story buildup. Like, their, or Braun and Tyson's biggest beef was that Braun looked at him funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like, from the get-go, this just was doomed to fail. And I thought, you know, Tyson Fury kind of has he's 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 athletic, he's a boxer. You can, you kind of figure some of those skills may translate and maybe it's his showmanship that translates the most, but he he also is still a, an active boxer, right? He, he can't get seriously hurt because like, that's going to cost him. He's still a lineal heavyweight champion. Like he still right. has millions of dollars on the table. If he gets hurt on a Braun Strowman running power slam, like that that fucks up the rest of his whole boxing career. So it's right. like there's already this fear. Like I'm sure Braun has to work a little bit tighter and a little bit more carefully. So and again, like for any match to end with a countout, bullshit. But for a spectacle match to end as a countout, oh, that, come on. Double like, bullshit. <laughs> at least give us something. Give us some sort of definitive ending, especially with these two. Like these are two monsters. Like that's what, you know, they kept pumping it out as. And it was from the top to bottom. I mean, and once the entrances were done, it was really bad. It's funny that they put Tyson in into a match with Braun, knowing that Braun's going to have to protect him. And Braun is like, is widely known for being somewhat reckless and sloppy with his work. Right. It's like you would want to put. It'd be better if you put Tyson in with somebody that is well known for protecting talent that's lesser quality. Like Brock may be somebody that like people hate. But he is—he has skills to protect people and knows how to work and knows the business. That he might have been better to be in the ring with Tyson than Braun. You know what I mean? Like he would have been yeah, able to yeah. protect him, make him look a little bit better. Because Braun just doesn't like everything about him. Just doesn't like the way he works. Just doesn't suit like having a, somebody that has never wrestled before in in there with him. Like, and it also shows to me not everybody can be Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was a phenomenal she came yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. like she's a natural she just knows the business she knows how to work like not everybody can do it i think a lot of people a lot of fighters or, or boxers saw her come over get the bag and were like oh this must be easy it's not easy it's really hard and she's just a fucking natural at it she's that good and i think this shows that like not everybody can do it yeah yeah I, i'm glad it's over i'm glad we can kind of go back to normal life um <laughs> i guess you know as normal as it can be within the wrestling world i mean first of all that's crazy that whoever's on smackdown tomorrow that's gonna be a hell of a flight but. that's wild to me that they have to like immediately get on a plane and and then work the next day that's so it's, crazy in buffalo in fucking buffalo yeah, sorry to, and it, sorry yeah. if any of our listeners are in buffalo but come on i i okay <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Bills Mafia. Shout out to Bills Mafia because um, I just want to go to one Bills Mafia 
uh, tailgate because all they do is wrestling moves through like flaming tables, through beer pong tables. It's actually kind of dope. Uh, so, to my Buffalo people, uh, if if you're a, if you're a listener, we're we're gonna come out there. We're gonna do a live show <laughs> at a Bills Mafia a tailgate, and then it's gonna end with Jeremy getting power bombed through a flaming beer pong table. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a flaming beer pong table, next up we had Team Flair versus Team Hogan. What uh, a transition! <laughs> yeah, it was it's you know one flaming piece of shit to another. Um, my man, with all the talent that was involved here. I was a little disappointed. This was, was a, a struggle to actually watch. Like I was, it, it was painful to actually try to get through. Like nothing about this was cohesive. It was just a fucking hodgepodge of random ass wrestlers. I will say Ricochet coming out in an All Might costume was awesome. I was like, I really popped for that to all my My Hero Academia fans out there. Like that was awesome to see him rock that one. Um, but in, in terms of the match and, and anything Hogan related, I'm gonna shit on anyways. Um, but like, it was just a mess. It was not fun. Dude, that Hogan promo. Did you, did you see that shit? That Hogan. Wait, you said he made his team drink sand. Yeah. I was like, what? Relax, coach Boone. Um, (laughs) what kind of weird tactic coaching tactic has, first of all, I'm, it's, it's not even believable a little bit that you gathered all of your team members, you know, Roman Reigns, uh, Ricochet, Shorty G, and you had them train together for what? Get out of here. We're not we're not stupid. Drink sand. Get out of here, Hulk Hogan. Um, I was just, I was waiting for like him to slip up and drop like some racist comment. I was like, oh, he's it, gonna do it. It was he was definitely thinking about it. He was definitely yeah. it was on the precipice, man. He was uh he was he was ready to do it. Um and then the tag team turmoil match was like on paper that should have been really good. Turmoil matches in general, always cool. It's like or the gauntlet the gauntlet matches, essentially yeah, yeah. what they are, right? Um and I, I did appreciate the surprise win with OC going over instead of the Viking Raiders uh, because it, it, it was just kind of – it seemed to be written that the Viking Raiders were going to win. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're getting this massive push now that they're the Raw Tag Champs. So that was cool. But the way they got there, a little funky. It wasn't, wasn't a big – I also wasn't a big fan of, like, the teams that were involved. Like, I haven't seen the B team in months. Months, yeah. All of a sudden, they're part of this – they're in the running to be the world's best tag team. That didn't make a whole lot of sense. So, um, I, I mean, to me, this thing just re- like reiterated my thought that like how how shallow the WWE tag team division is compared to AEW when you just saw they put on an incredible tournament to right. crown their first champion. Like you come over here and it's just like you have Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, and you have uh, the B team in a in the world's biggest tag team turmoil match and, and to crown the world's best tag team also like can we come up with more creative things than like the world's best tag team or the best in the world like come on like think of something cool like the trophies are pretty cool the trophies are big and giant like that was a huge trophy cool. yeah but like can we think of something a little bit more intriguing than like they're the world's greatest tag team and now that now we're gonna have to hear that shit all the time every monday night when they come out it's just going to be a rehashing of Shane's bit, right? When he won exactly. Best in the World. So it's but now there's two of them, um, and they're, they're heels. So it's just going to be kind of, it's just going to be the continuation, the leftover, the cutting room floor script of what they took out of Shane's bits. Like they're just going to give to the OC, um, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that that's over. But the thing is, well, that be even when I say that, like it's not going to be over. They're going to find other world's best, right? Like they're just going to yeah. be. 
they're going to do this every time they go over there. And it's, you know, world's best six-man tag team. Or they're just going to re- rehash, like, another world's best tournament. So it's mm-hmm. it's just going to keep happening. Um, and I think we just get, it's going to be almost like their new era King of the Ring, even though King of the Ring is also back. So... There's a, there's a lot of a uh, lot, lot of labels, a lot of things you can win these days, but some of them mean more than others. I mean, a lot of them mean absolutely nothing. Like, oh uh, yeah, world's best tag team, world's uh, the best in the world. Um, I mean, those mean jack shit. Like, they're jack not going to do anything shit. to those characters. Like, I just don't understand why we're doing that. And like, the fact that like that those teams were in that tag team turmoil match was kind of a, like a disgrace in my opinion. Like. How can you have like those kind of mat like that kind of a match with that level of competition? Like it was sad to see. Like it was just it was not entertaining and it was like just really disappointing to be honest. It really so, hurt my feelings to like see Kofi in there. Right. And obviously yeah. he was he's in there because, you know, Woods is hurt and he's representing for the new day and but man, a few weeks ago, this dude was the world champion. champion right. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of the best world champions we've had in the last couple of years, and he was just out there in a tag team turmoil match in the in the middle of oh my god in the middle of Saudi it was, Arabia it was rough to see so I mean let's 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 pay some bills and we'll move on from from Crown Jewel because I mean I think we're we're in agreement here it was please it was it was not great so get these let's bills pay, paid yeah let's pay some bills humans have been shaving for thousands of years and the secret to a great shave it hasn't changed much the ancient Greeks didn't need to flex didn't need flex balls or heated handles and neither do you. That's why Harry doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it gives me the close shave, easy glide, low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential quality durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. Harry's is super, just, is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription and there's no risk to you for trying them out if you don't love your shave let them know and they'll give you a free a full refund sorry listeners of my show the it doesn't matter what your podcast is called can redeem their harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and nice and smooth. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. That is the key, the big thing that you need to, to keep in mind is that travel blade cover. Most I important my thing. Hand, Most important. I cut my hand on my razor this morning. See? See, people? Keep Everyone makes fun on. of me because I keep it. Whenever we have to read a Harry's ad, they're like, why do you care so much about the travel blade cover? This is why. We almost didn't keep, do a podcast today because he almost cut his hand off. I mean, yes. I, I, I was ready to call in and I was like, you know what? <laughs> we have Harry's as a sponsor. I need to talk about this blade cover. So go to harrys.com slash blue wire to start shaving better today. We're going to take another quick break to talk about our friends over at ShipStation. The holiday rush is coming. And if you sell stuff online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? Or decide which shipping carrier to use? Or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door, and delivered in time for the holidays. No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, 
ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access these same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. It's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it with ease. Just use our offer code BLUE, that's B-L-U-E, to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just use ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE, B-L-U-E, ShipStation. Make ship happen. Make it happen, people. Speaking of making it happen, Wednesday Night Wars. Woo! Back in full gear. Um, Man, Wednesday nights, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Wednesday nights are fucking undefeated. Man, it's so, so good. much so fun. Good. Yeah. So much fun being there. Especially like last night, like because we had we had the Wednesday Night Wars, we had game seven, like everything about it was awesome, uh, from just being a fan. It was really uh, good but, until Steph Curry broke his hand. Yeah, at that point, that. I wanted to uh, go full Tom in at the window, but other than that, it was really good. Night. <laughs> that was dark. Yeah, but yeah, like Wednesday nights are just like they're just fun and entertaining and and just easy to watch. Like I just love everything about it. Like and now, like you, you're getting these ratings coming in, it feels like the Monday Night Wars again. Like AEW is consistently like pounding NXT in the ratings, and they even beat last week. They, they beat, beat SmackDown last SmackDown. Last week. I mean, granted, SmackDown was on FS1, so the ratings were gonna dip, but like. For them to beat SmackDown is fucking huge. That I think I massive. talked about that early on too. Was that you know NXT versus AEW? Like that's the easy comparison because they're on the same day. But so AEW or Dynamite, I should say, is their main show, right? Like that's that's it. That's all they got. I mean, mm-hmm. they obviously have After Dark and whatnot, but that's their main show. So I I remember my point being that with SmackDown being the new A show, like that's the real comparison point. Right, mm-hmm. and the fact that they beat SmackDown, they beat WWE's A Show. I don't think that a big enough deal was made of that. And and to your point about it being on FS1, WWE wrestling fans will always find where wrestling is. Right, it doesn't matter yeah. if it's on Fox, off on FS1. People watched it when it was on freaking Sci-Fi. Right, like people will find it. And the fact that it beat SmackDown that week was huge. That was I, I think that needs to be made a bigger deal. Um, and and talk about more. So that's I just wanted to bring that up. But I'll you know continue talking about talk about uh, talk about dynamite a little bit. Yeah. So like overall, this show. I, I mean, it, I'm surprised at how many times like how consistently they hit it out of the park. Like they just always hit it out of the park, and I and I love watching it. Um, I think it's a really solid two hours of wrestling, and, and I they kicked it off last night with with Pack uh, or with uh, with Hangman Page. And we are going to be getting Hangman versus Pack at full gear, which I'm just fucking jacked about. Really over the moon for that. And then you have you have this whole storyline with Mox being unsanctionable, and they showed like a, a backstage segment with with him and Tony Khan, and him going into Khan's uh, dressing room and, and arguing about like how he can't 
they can't trust him to be sanctioned. And so his match against Kenny Omega at full gear is going to be unsanctioned lights out match. And he's pissed off about it. And he comes out and he gives just an incredible, fiery John Moxley promo. And I mean, oh my God, this just shows that when this guy does not have a script, he is phenomenal. He is so good. He just knows what to do. Like he is, when he's when he doesn't have a script, he seems like the second coming of Steve Austin, like that anti-hero that you want to root for. So I, I'm all in on him. I think they just continue to ride the wave that they have because he is probably going to be the biggest star in that company outside of Kenny Omega. And I think them having a, a match of full gear is going to be gigantic for them. And then you have this feud with Jericho and Cody. And it's incredible to me how over Cody is. Have you noticed this? Oh, he's getting crazy pops. And it's also, so when they, you know, when they, he, they set this matchup, they set this title matchup for full gear. Uh, what was it? It's been a few weeks now, right? I, I thought it was yeah. just going to be a throwaway. Like there was no way that Jericho was going to drop the title to the guy who's essentially running the company, right? There was just no way that was going to happen. Um, but the fa- the way they've built this story is just so, so interesting because you're, you're not even thinking about that, right? Like it, it's very much, obviously you're cognizant of it, but it's very much more in the back of your mind. Uh, and they've developed a really, really good feud and a really, really good storyline where you're like, yeah, I, I hope Cody freaking wins the title. Like, you know, so they're, they're, they've done a really, really good job with this build. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see the payoff. I, I don't think Jericho's going to drop the title to Cody ultimately. They're probably going to have him drop this to like one of the younger guys, kind of the like Adam Page, uh, maybe a Moxley down the road. But um, it's still a hell of a build. And I think it's it's been really good in terms of developing their credibility, in terms of finding that storyline that we've – I think when we were grading it out last week, that was one of the things that we – we're a little harsh with AEW on, right? It's just that the development of storylines hasn't been all that good yet because they haven't had the reps. They're getting the reps mm-hmm. now, and they're doing a really, really good job. Yeah, and I wouldn't be too shocked if, if actually Cody wins at full gear because I think, for one, he's super over. Like, he is one of the more beloved babyfaces in that company. But also, like, I think I think Jericho needs some time. Like, I think he needs – he is older. Like, he's getting closer to 50, and I think he's, he's still touring with his band. So I think – I think they might take some time where he takes a couple weeks off and maybe does some segments um, away from the arena, like just video segments to stay within the the sure, uh, yeah, yeah. limelight. But like, I wouldn't be shocked if they put the belt on Cody and maybe we have some some elite feud. Like maybe because they they were teasing like um, they've been teasing the Page Cody thing, Hangman Page and Cody thing for a little while, even on being the elite. Like. So I think that we may have some in, inner elite feud maybe for the title. I think that could be interesting. Um, the one thing I will say is, like, I don't really know what they're doing with this Brandy segment. Like, I don't know if she's it's supposed so to be weird. a witch now. Like, she, so like, brought, uh, she, like, brought the Awesome Kong back from the dead or Rosa from the dead or something. I don't know what that video segment was. But, like, it's really – it's it's – intriguing to me but i'm really really confused almost similar to where the way to the way i was when they first started doing the firefly funhouse where i was like i was super intrigued but i was like really like really really confused i had no idea where they're going with this so i'm kind of the same way with, with this whole brandy road situation i have no idea what they're doing yeah i mean i think that's start, obviously that started last week when she started doing that weird finger point um, yeah, which I compared to the Gary Bertier point from remember. Uh, this is my second remember the Titans. Uh, I mean, did you watch pop it this culture? Time? Did you watch it this morning? I actually, I actually watched it yesterday. So okay, so yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's just fresh on the mind. But um, no, it's it's 
that's a really strong comparison you just made though with five because firefly funhouse obviously ends up becoming beloved a classic Mm -hmm. even um i don't know if brandy quite has those chops just yet because obviously bray we knew bray was a stud right so no matter how he was repackaged no matter what he was doing you were we were going to be into it brandy i think is still developing that that side of her Uh, Mm -hmm. i'm not saying what she's doing you know sucks or anything like that i'm just like you said i I think i'm more in the intrigued camp and looking forward to see like where it goes and to see if it can develop into something along those lines um because obviously it's it is a little bit more in the supernatural in the weird but you know the broken universe uh broken matt hardy obviously made it work now the firefly funhouse so hell go for it brandy it's halloween yeah do you think have some fun uh, hopping over to NXT, there were three main things for this week that uh, from NXT that really stood out to me. I want to see what your your thoughts on it were. First of all, Finn cut a hell of a promo. Um, He's so good on Wednesday. He's so good. Um, and he was it was kind of unleashed. I saw, I read somewhere that someone was like, "He's still not the good on the mic." I was like, "Are you are we watching the same guy, the same dude who just like unleashed?" On everyone, including Johnny Gargano, like that was that's that's the best promo he's cut, and I guess you can say it's the main roster now. But that's the best promo he's cut in WWE, in, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. even close. Um, obviously, he, he cut a bunch of New Japan that were cool, but like this was, you know, Finn. He's been talking about. He showed up on backstage, I believe it was a week ago, and he said, you know, this is the real Finn Balor. And if this is the so real the Finn Prince Balor, back. give me more said, of this guy. He's a freaking yeah. beast, man. He was he was awesome. That obviously jumpstarts his feud with Johnny Gargano. Um, he, he called him Johnny Watching Wrestling or Johnny Watches Wrestling, which is really funny. Um, but the like the whole package of that, the even down to the lighting, like they just kind of had the spotlight on him, and it was dark everywhere else. It was like it was mm-hmm. these little intricacies um, with his promo that I really, really enjoyed. So, I, did you happen to catch that um, on one? Yeah, day? yeah. So I, I totally agree. I think the little things are what matters when, when with these kind of promos, and they really did hit the hammer, like the nail on the head with what they were trying to do. And, and like you said, like, when he showed up on backstage, like he was, he was just saying like this is the real Finn Balor. He just said he said something along the lines like the prince is back. And if you followed him in in new japan it was prince devitt so like the fact that he was even like he was even mentioning that was super like intriguing and interesting to me and i was like hell yeah i'm super into that um i i I just like him as a heel for i mean it might just be me personally but i like heels better i think they're more interesting and i i feel like you can you can get a little bit more creative and interesting as a character if you're a heel um rather than like a babyface like tied into those like super like the constraints of being a babyface where you have to be like oh shucks like like you have to just be a lovable it's, character. I, th- I think with a heel, it allows you to do a lot more things with what you were trying with your character and try new things. Like this is the best we've seen Bailey in, in months, and obviously I think now this is the best that we've seen Finn Balor in months. Like I think just as a heel, everybody just gets a little bit better, and you get a little bit more. You get a little a little looser, and it's a little bit more in, in entertaining to watch. An idea just struck me. I would love to do a deeper dive on just kind of heels versus faces and like what's. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, in my opinion, I, I, I tend to agree with you in that, like, heels are just more interesting. I also think playing a heel is a lot easier because it's it's a lot easier to get heat, right? It's, you know, True. just yeah. call out I would, I would, I would the crowd, that. say again. I would agree with you there. Like, I, I think it is a lot easier to play a heel than it yeah, is. Yeah, and, like, to get, you know, any genuine reaction or genuine cheers as a face, it's, it's especially really hard these days right like you know in the 80s hogan and um warrior were were getting these insane pops and like if that that shit just wouldn't fly today right Mm -hmm. so for all the flack that we give seth rollins or you know roman reigns or john cena like 
like I think we're all comparing them to like the Rocks and Austins who were in a class of their own. Like, let, let's just be honest. But uh, at some point, we should definitely do a dive on you know just heels versus faces and just you know who are the best at some of them. It, it was just an idea that hit me. Just kind of you describing the, the characteristics of a heel and like why it's more interesting. Um, and, and I tend to agree. And I'm just like, why? Why is that? Um, because in theory, they are easier to play. Um, anyway, uh, I'll get off of that that soapbox for a second. But an- another thing that was a big part of NXT this week was wo- women's war games was announced. Huge, huge, huge! huge. And I can't fucking wait for this. It's gonna be oh, so good, so good. Obviously, war games since they brought it over to WWE or NXT to be more specific has been have been amazing. Like they're just spot fests all the time. Like they're mm-hmm. people doing some crazy shit. There's two rings, massive cages. It's it's frankly it's it's overwhelming at times but it's amazing um and i'm glad that the you know the nxt women are going to get to take part in that this year obviously there's going to be a men's match as well um which i think so the only are we thing sure I, about that i think I, I think they're teasing it like the ending of uh of nxt this week kind of teased like, i think like undisputed air is going to be involved again um just because like they've been involved the past couple of years uh, and they're probably going to have the baby faces uh be involved as well as like riddle Keith Lee, um, Champa, and then probably somebody else, probably Dream or somebody, right? Got Taking on. on Undisputed Era. But th- what makes that interesting, right? War Games is obviously right before Survivor Series. And this actually translate. this actually segues perfectly into our news and notes is that NXT now part of Survivor Series. So they, I think it was announced today, might have been during Crown Jewel. That, it was, yeah. So obviously Raw is going to be part of Survivor Series. SmackDown is going to be part of Survivor Series. But this is the first time that NXT as a brand is going to be involved in it. I don't know how that's going to work. They haven't really released those details yet, but that is super interesting. And because usually it's these classic Survivor Series matches, right? Four mm-hmm. and four, five and five, elimination. One. So um, I don't know how NXT is going to be involved, but I am... Needless to say, very excited about it. Yeah, so they Michael Cole had mentioned something today on, on Crown Jewel where he said, like, it is going to be Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. So they're going to do these matches where they may have three teams. Like, are, are we going to do a Survivor, a traditional Survivor Series match where we have three teams instead of two? I don't know how that's going to work. But I'm also interested to see what talent actually is involved. Because, like you said, they're going to be doing war games literally the night before. How much talent is going to be pulling double duty versus ones that are they're just going to be on on Survivor Series and, and only on War Games. Like I feel like I don't expect Undisputed to be on Survivor Series. I fully expect them to be on War Games, and that's it. Now, like Dream, Dream might be coming over and do Survivor Series, or I, I don't know. I feel like or, Undisputed has to be at Survivor Series. They're like the top attraction in NXT, in NXT yeah, and to like, have them like just it, it, like want a one-off face-off like Cole and Seth Rollins teased teased a match with each other a few weeks ago right like to have that moment where they're just coming face to face like that's that's huge yeah, but what do you do with that but what do you do with that afterward like you don't do it like I mean nothing like, nowhere I don't think there's a payoff or there's no long-term story that's developed but Survivor Series is one of those weird one-off pay-per-views anyway because it's like all the Raw squad comes together. All the SmackDown squad comes together, regardless of feuds. So, but like last year, they used Survivor Series to, to kickstart the WrestleMania main event. So, like, there's opportunities there to kickstart a larger story. 
So there, like, there is. Um, I just think like with NXT's inclusion and with their opportunity here to cement and legitimize NXT as really a third brand, right? Like they, I think they want to go out of their way to prove that NXT is no longer developmental. It's a mm-hmm. legit third brand, and that's how you do it. You have them involved with main, quote-unquote, main roster guys. Um, so th- that's just my feel. I mean, I, could, I understand your point as well with, like, they, they might not show uh, Undisputed Era because, you know, they, they, they might have gone through, one, they might have gone through a hellacious war games match the night before, and you don't want any of these guys to get hurt. That would, like, fuck over your whole TV um, programming. But mm-hmm. I just feel like this is there's this is low hanging fruit, right? You got you got to throw them out there in some capacity. They don't they don't have to have a full on match, but even if it's like a run in at the end, and Seth and Adam Cole are face to face, or Dream and Brock are face to face, you know, it, like it, there just has to be a moment where like wrestling Twitter loses their mind because WWE is is very much lacking in that right now. Um, aside from today's fiend win. So it's, I think it's just, there's an opportunity here for, for something, for some magic to happen with all three brands. I just think that there's, there's a lot of talent that could, could use the rub of going up to the main roster and being taking part in a survivor series. And I don't think, I think there's some talent on NXT that doesn't necessarily need that. Um, because they're obviously, they're obviously going to get the, they're going to get the shine of war games and they're going to, they're going to put on, I mean, let's be honest. They're going to put on a better show than anything that's going to happen in Survivor Series. So I think there's, I think there's talent on the lo- on the lower end of the NXT roster that could potentially use that rub that they can go up to NXT, go up to the main roster, wrestle in front of people that maybe don't watch them enough, and then maybe bring them back to NXT when they go back down. That's fair. And again, I'm just glad that they're part of the uh, the party this year, right? It's it's just kind yeah. of always been a raw exclusive, raw and SmackDown exclusive. So to have NXT as a part of it period is, is again, just a major step forward. Um, mm-hmm. Something I did want to talk about that we didn't have time to talk about earlier because the crown jewel is what the hell is happening with this Rusev Lashley Lana angle. It's, it's, it's no ended idea. Raws. It started Raws. It's been in the middle. It's they, they're literally building episodes of raw around this stupid ass angle. And I've, like Paul Heyman's still running the show, right? He is, like, but I feel like this is a Vince thing. Like I feel like this oh, is what, Vince baby. Like, you Vince think? Baby. Because <laughs> they're putting way Vince too much effort and time into this angle for it not to be a Vince thing. Like this is just like it's absurd, by the way. Like it is it's really uncomfortable to watch, to be honest with you. Like they were the things that they were talking about and and, and the way that they were presenting uh, everything on Monday Night Raw was just really uncomfortable, especially if you consider yourself to be a family show, like it was, right, it's supposed to be PG stuff. Sex yeah, exactly. Addict, you're like, gonna call like, someone I'm a sex addict. With, like, I'm fine with that stuff because, like, I grew up in the Attitude Era, so like, era, so like, I'm used to like bra and panties matches, and like that stuff doesn't face me. But like, if you are presenting yourself as a family product and that you don't want to do certain things because you are quote unquote PG, and then you start doing things like that, like, it muddles the picture of like what you are as a company, and it muddles of what you're trying to do, and like what you're doing the characters it's just it's not it's jerry springer light and it's not entertaining like this stuff was not even funny like in the attitude era like this stuff is just not entertaining to me like i don't watch wrestling for a soap opera about a guy who has who's a sex addict and his sex addict and his wife is leaving him like i don't watch wrestling for that like i don't i don't maybe i'm just being a prude about it like sir, some people really liked it some people are like oh this is actually better than what they've been doing but to me nothing really hit home it was just really uncomfortable. Well, the main thing that I had a problem with was Lana's reason for 
I guess, openly cheating on Rusev on TV was that he's a sex addict. So why don't you just divorce him? Yeah, so you her response is to sleep with somebody else. Yeah, yeah it doesn't, like, make, on, it doesn't like, make any sense. Basically make softcore porn like on t- on national TV every week. It's just a very strange response to someone mm-hmm. who, A, might have an addiction. So, like, I don't know if we should be out here, you know, shaming people who have addictions, uh, no, yeah. no matter what they are. But, B, it's like, this easily could have been dealt with privately i i obviously I, I understand this is the world of professional wrestling and things have to be taken to the nth degree but it just didn't seem like a very legitimate reason for a feud to start right like so no. like what what i'm just wondering like what exactly is lashley and rusev's beef then like lashley has beef that rusev was a sex addict that doesn't add up <laughs> that doesn't make any sense like why why he should be wanting also, to wrestle what's, what's the end game here what what are we what are we going toward like what what is what is rusev gonna get out of this like he's gonna beat He's going to beat up Bobby Lashley, and then what else? Exactly. Yeah, there's no – you're right. I don't know what the end game is. I, I really don't. Rusev was obviously part of a winning team tonight, uh, today. I keep saying tonight. But it, – and it's a weird way to paint a baby face, right? Like, okay, so we're supposed to root for this guy, but he's a sex addict. It's just – it's it's a very convoluted storyline. And the fact that they are, again, ending episodes of Raw – with this and beginning it, beginning the show with it, it's just a very strange choice, especially by a show that's run by Paul Heyman, who, by all accounts, has been doing a really good job with Raw. Right? Like there've yeah. been there've been some episodes that have been better than others, obviously, but for him to just be to sign off and green light this storyline, it's just it's just really weird, man. It's just, yeah, it's 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 bizarre. It's, Something it's, else. It's bizarre, and it needs to wrap up fairly quickly. Absolutely. And speaking of wrapping up, before we wrap up, I did want to shout out and talk about, I hate to promote someone else's podcast, on our podcast, especially a direct competitor, but WWE released their first official branded podcast hosted by Corey Graves. Uh, the first episode dropped, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, and man, his his guest lineup was... Uh, it was star-studded, to say the least. It was it was right before they all left for Saudi Arabia. He had Seth Rollins on, he had Triple H on, Bailey on for a second, and, and Ric Flair. Um, it, it was really interesting to to just to listen to how they structured the show. So obviously, it's very uh, it's very interview based, at, at least to start. The biggest takeaway that I took from it was that they openly talked about AEW. They openly talked about other wrestlers who weren't in the company, which I thought was really, really interesting on an officially branded WWE podcast. Because even on, uh, like, obviously there was the Hall of Fame and Triple H made that little snide comment about AEW without actually saying their name. Like, you can't say that stuff on TV. I know Sami Zayn did it once, right, on whatever that electric chair (laughs) show that Mm -hmm. he was hosting. But... It, it was really interesting to me that if, if that's where this podcast continues to go, it kind of in the, in the light of like an Edge and Christian podcast or, or the Jericho pod where they talk about everything. They talk about the whole wrestling universe. Like that's super interesting that Vince would even allow that. And maybe he maybe he wasn't, you know, he didn't quite have his finger on the pulse of what was happening in the podcast space. Um, and maybe he, I doubt he listened to this first episode. So maybe that that's a big, uh, big reason why it was allowed to go. But uh, I just wanted to, after listening to it, it's just more content we have to consume as if we didn't have enough wrestling content already, uh, you know, <laughs> boo to us. Uh, but 
it was it was a really really good episode check it out if you haven't um this is the one of the podcasts that does matter um before we hit our our, <laughs> our tagline a little bit later uh and i do like the direction i think graves is the right guy for it just because he has the right demeanor um he, he's he's got a great combination of interview skills and he doesn't take himself too seriously um and he can obviously he has the entire roster at his disposal to ask on um, mm-hmm. which I think is super cool. And they real quick, uh, before I end this diatribe, the, his interview with Bailey I thought was really funny because she was fully in character. She was fully in, like, heel Bailey character, hung up on him during the interview. So, uh, again, I think they're I still finding – Yeah, she's, she's really good. I think they're still finding their footing in terms of, like, what they want to be fully. But um, if, if this is where it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I mean, it does suck that we have another competitor, but uh, it, it could be – it's an interesting pod to listen to. Also, did you happen to hear Michael Cole just burying Corey Graves every time he had – every chance he got when they were talking about Rusev? Like, he was like, oh, Rusev has marital problems. I'm sure you can relate to that, huh, Corey? I'm like, Jesus, man. Like, come on. Like, every fucking time he was hitting him with, like – Whenever they were talking about marital problems, like Corey, you probably know about that, right? I'm like, Jesus, man. That is, like, it's a little too real. And I, I guess, but he, Michael Cole is not the only one to like kind of put that out there. On Total Divas, they've been you know, before uh, Carmella's on it this season, so they've mm-hmm. been talking a little bit about Graves' previous marriage and you know that connection with Carmella and like whether it, she was involved with it or not. Um, so this is not the first time that. WWE programming has talked about Corey Graves' personal life, which is uh, which is wild. But um, he, him and Michael Cole might have fought after the show. I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I like, would have squared up with him. I'm like, you and me are scrapping like, yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's 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 wrap this episode up. Um, make sure that you follow us on social at Doesn't Matter Pod. That's Pod with a zero. You can follow us or follow us on Twitter, not on social. Uh, and you can follow us on Instagram at Doesn't Matter Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy A. Loss. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Cruise Control. That's Control with a K. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. He, Your he, silence had me had me nervous. Like I was like, no. Telling, yeah. Telling only, this is only episode what thirty four. I'm glad you you finally figured out <laughs> my Twitter handle. Um, and while we're at it, please, please, please don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave a review so this is going up a little later than usual um it's still coming out on thursday for your regular thursday listening for you bay area peeps we're going to get it out in time for your commutes uh for all of our east coast people uh you know put this on before you go to bed or uh you know you can you can fall asleep to to our sweet velvety tones i mean the soothing sound of my voice will put you to sleep Right, exactly, especially after Jeremy talking about how he was sick earlier. Um, yeah. Or, you know, save for your commute, for your commute tomorrow. Um, hope you all enjoyed Crown Jewel. Hope you all enjoyed the pod. And as always, if there's another wrestling podcast that reacted immediately to Crown it, Jewel. It doesn't matter what that podcast is called. You're damn straight. All right, everyone. Have a happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Peace. <laughs>